Tassa, Pagavatu, Varahatu, Sama, Samputasa. Namu Tassa, Pagavatu, Varahatu, Sama, Samputasa. Namu Tassa, Pagavatu, Varahatu, Sama, Samputasa. Ito Parang Sakachang Damo Sotapo Ti. So may all of you set your hearts on listening to the Dhamma. So this is the third day of our practice of this meditation retreat. And all of us have probably gained at least some amount of peace in our hearts already. So this practice of the Dhamma, of our bhavana, our cultivation, it's this development of our hearts and minds, making them higher, raising them up. And so it's a matter of cultivating mindfulness and samadhi and wisdom. Asila, our virtue, is good already. That of um, us practitioners, having the sense of restraint, of composure over acts of body and speech. So the Buddha taught about the uh, gradual training, or the training in stages. And this starts off with dana, with generosity, with giving. Because it's the nature of us beings that have a self. That we seek out wealth in order to support our lives. But for those who don't have understanding, who are deluded, then they don't realize that they'll have to die one day. So they're not able to give to sacrifice. Or maybe they can give some, but it's just a small amount. But for us, when we give, we don't give everything. We just uh, give the right amount and do so for the sake of benefit, uh, for helping the people in this world. And so we can give uh, donations to help build hospitals or bridges or other uh, public works, or offer food to monks on alms round, or offer money for, um, for education. And following the ability that we have, following the means that we have. And why do we do this? Well, this is a training. And so we train ourselves like this, not being heedless and thinking that our lives are not sure. And when we practice in this way, then our minds become at ease. So they have this happiness, this brightness, this coolness within them. And as we practice more and more, do these good acts more and more, then we get the feeling that even if we had a huge amount of wealth, then what would we do with it? And the answer is very clear in our hearts, that we would do that, uh, that we would use that in a way that gives rise to benefit. We, we would uh, donate that, give it away. Because this money, even though we may gain a lot of it, it's just something of this world. And also the wisdom arises that if we sort out all of this wealth, then what we would lose is our time. That we waste our time, a lot of it, 
that we could use in training our mind. So our practitioners, they gain this feeling. They see the benefits of generosity, the benefit of virtue. They see the drawbacks of just following their own moods and emotions, of not having any control over their acts of body and speech, and how this gives rise to chaos. But when we can maintain control over our body and speech through sila, then what that gives rise to is coolness, ease, happiness to one degree. So this is the arising of um, right view and the arising of uh, wisdom. And the Buddha taught about this generosity, this virtue, that it gives us this happiness and this peace. And it's also the cause for coolness, Nibbāna, to arise. So this is talking about the benefits of virtue, the benefits of generosity. What that gives rise to is heaven. But we need to understand that this feeling of heaven, of happiness, it's something that doesn't stay forever. We can look within our own lives that have passed by already, that we've experienced many pleasant feelings, but all of those have passed already. None of them have stayed with us. They've all come and then they've all gone. And it's the same with the unpleasant feelings. They come and they go as well. But the thing is, is that we can remember these events. And then we think that I was the one who was happy. I was the one who was suffering. All of the things that have happened since the time that we were born. We have memory over those events. Or if people have Alzheimer's, then they lose their memory. Uh, But for the most of us, we still have this memory. And we attach to that. And that causes us suffering. And we suffer again over these events that happened in the past because we cling to those events as being me, as happening to me. That I was the one who was happy, I was the one who was sad. And there's also the self in the present moment and the self in the future as well. So the feeling of me is like this. This self that has its process for its arising. There's, it starts off with avijja, this ignorance, and then goes on to a craving, clinging, and then suffering arises. So when the perfectly self-awakened Buddha awakened, and he gained this wisdom and this understanding into the nature of these things, And then he taught this gradual teaching, and we receive happiness from generosity and virtue like this. And then next he taught about seeing the drawbacks of a mind that is agitated and chaotic. A mind that attaches to happiness and suffering. So he said that we should use our time in a way that gives rise to great benefit use our time in this practice. So we take up this nekama, renunciation. And that doesn't mean that we necessarily have to be a monk, 
a bhikkhu or a bhikkhuni or a nun, that all of us um, right here practicing, we're listening to the Dhamma in this present moment. And so our minds have taken up this nekama, this renunciation. And it's this internal renunciation. Perhaps some people have ordained, taken up the precepts. Some people keep the eight precepts or the five precepts. But their minds are all stirred up and agitated. They're not at peace. So the benefit of sila is that it gives us one level of calm. But the benefit of cultivating our hearts and of developing samadhi, that is immense, can give us great peace. So may all of you put your effort into this, really try with this practice, persist with it, set your hearts on it. That we have this time to gather together during this meditation retreat and from the 10th to the 18th of December. And if you set your hearts during this time, then you will get the result of peace and some kind of understanding in the Dhamma. The things that you don't yet understand, then some understanding will arise. The things that you do have an understanding of, that understanding goes deeper in. So we all know already, we've all heard that uh, physicality and mentality, it's not me, not mine, not you, not yours. But still, when our eyes see something, then we attach to that. And why do we attach to that? It's because our mindfulness, our samadhi, our wisdom is lacking. And if we don't train our minds, then this will always be the case. We'll just go on and on like this. Today, tomorrow, until next year, until the day that we die. There will always be this sense of self there. But if we train our minds, if we cultivate our hearts through this act of meditation, then we'll gain peace, and this brings immense benefit. Normally, when we experience something, um, a sensory experience, which is the basis for the arising of liking or disliking, then we like that thing or we dislike, and we just carry on going like that, because there's always this self there, giving rise to greed, giving rise to aversion, ill will, resentment. This just happens constantly within our minds. So the question arises, well, can samadhi help with that? Having this mind that's firmly established, does that help? And it does help. That we feel an internal sense of ease and peace. The mind gains contentment, fills up with joy, and there can be great amounts of joy. Perhaps before, there was a lot of ignorance there. And there were thoughts of aversion, of ill will, even wanting to harm or destroy other people. And this is the nature of ignorance, to act like this. But when we gain some peace, 
then we're able to forgive one another, to let go of these attachments. We're able to give rise to kindness and compassion. If people receive good things, then we can have mudita, that joy for their goodness, feeling happy about that, not getting jealous because of it. If there are people that we don't like, and they're suffering, that we don't do anything to uh, make that suffering worse, because they already suffer enough as it is. You see that all of us, having been born, we all need to grow old, we all need to get sick, we all have to die. So we're all um, friends um, in suffering like this. And also there's this upeka that comes up if we're not able to do anything, give rise to equanimity. So like a mother or a father, and that they wish to help their child constantly. If they can't, then you need to give rise to this equanimity. So for practitioners, we need this kindness in our hearts. We need these four brahma-viharas, these divine abidings of kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity, to look after our minds. And when we have these, then we're able to keep our precepts well. Our samadhi becomes firm and it doesn't degenerate. And because we have these four divine abidings within our heart, there's also a lot of joy that comes up. And this is able to kind of hold at bay um, any anger or ill will that may otherwise have come up. So we're in a state of um, samadhi, then the mind can easily give rise to these states. But when we come out of that, we need to be careful. Because the samadhi is something that isn't constant yet. And before it worked to suppress these defilements. But when we come out, and if our wisdom is lacking, then when we see something that we don't like or hear something that we don't like, our senses, our sense faculties contact with a sense that we find unpleasant. We need to be very cautious here. And if our normal meditation objects aren't working, then we can contemplate and use our wisdom. Because normally there's just the sense of self. It's all about me and about you. And so this ill will comes up. We need to really establish ourselves in forbearance to fight against that. But then we also teach our minds as well. Ask ourselves, are these things real? Where am I? We can touch our hand and feel the bones there under the skin. See that these other people, they also have bones as well. That my breath is just the same as other people's breath. That the water element in this body is the same as the water element in other bodies. That the food is just the same. So we contemplate uh, to see this and to see how ourselves and others are just the same. They're not actually there, they're not real. So we can think in this way, contemplate like this. 
So like how the mind gives orders to the brain, which then gives orders to the body to speak and to act. But the body doesn't actually know what's going on. It's just like a robot. It receives these orders and then it functions in line with that. So we may tell it to say something or tell it to do something, tell it to shout or tell it to hit. But if the brain isn't working properly, then um, the body won't do that. But for us, we still see all these things in terms of self. It's people that's doing these things. But in reality, it's just elements following the course of nature. So if we know that for what it is, if we see that, then we'll be able to abandon it as well. And it's really incredible when we see the Dharma like this. So I've spoken about this many times before, about the mind gathering together into samadhi like this until it reaches a state where there's no proliferation, the mind isn't creating anything. And then I saw someone who had died, and there was no proliferation there. And I was contemplating as well that all of us need to die. And this here is a um, samatha, meditation object, a meditation object that leads to peace. But when my mind started to proliferate, and then it started to think how this is a person who had died, that this is a being, a self, that they had this occupation. But as this proliferation started happening, there was also wisdom that arose there as well. And then ask myself, well, is this actually real? These things actually there? So it starts off with this mindfulness and samadhi, gaining these feelings of peace. And when there's peace there, then that brings rise uh, to many benefits. This gathers together, samadhi becomes firmly established. And then the mind can feel a sense of um, this peaceful dispassion, disillusionment. And so I could see how all beings need to die, even though they may not have thought about it, they may not be expecting it, that all of us are in the situation. Or maybe we can use some other meditation object that gives rise to peace and stillness in this way. And then when the mind starts to proliferate, and there's wisdom that's there on top of that, knowing it as it's happening for what it is. And knowledge arises here. It's knowledge that is wisdom. It's the knowledge that, the wisdom that comes from our meditation. Because initially there's the wisdom that comes from listening, from reading, from studying, and from taking that and thinking about it. And that is a kind of wisdom as well. But then there's this wisdom from meditation that enables us to see the self as not self. And this is seeing the true self. So like these days, uh, we're developing this 
um, artificial intelligence technology. And so when we see that, we know that that's not actually a person, it's not actually a being, it's just a robot. But are we aware that this body is the same? This body is just a biological machine, it's just a kind of robot. The thing is that we're so familiar with it, that our brain gives it orders, and then it walks and speaks and does things. It can do that. It can follow these orders of the mind. And so then we get the understanding that this is me, this body is me. And even when it starts breaking down, and we're not able to stand anymore, then we think that I'm the one that can't stand. So Sakaya Ditti, the self-view, is like this. And it's what happens when we don't have wisdom. But when wisdom does come up, then we see things uh, in the opposite way. We see that I can't walk. Well, it's actually because the causes and conditions are there to not be able to walk. And we see that this body is not the same thing as the mind that it's just a body, it's just a form. And see that all of the five khandhas of form and feeling, as memory or perception, mental formation, sense consciousness, that none of these are me. There's creation of the mind, there's proliferation. Sometimes it's skillful, sometimes unskillful. So like for me giving this talk right now, this is a form of skillful proliferation. But if we're going to look at it in a deep way, and then we see that there's actually no one that's teaching right now, and there's no one that's listening either, and it's all emptiness. So if we can see things in this way, if it's just temporarily, um, then we see people walking about just like robots. We gain understanding into the teachings of the Buddha, and that he taught that form is just form, and bodies are just bodies. They're not a being, they're not a person, they're not me, they're not you. And this can appear very clearly for us. And so may all of you contemplate uh, like this. So this mindfulness, samadhi, and wisdom, it has great benefits. So may all of you train uh, like this to experience the immense benefits that this brings. May all of you really set your hearts on this practice. And not just during this time of online retreat, like, like right now, but in your normal lives as well. So when you're at home, when you're at work, then try to practice as well. And this is the path that will take us out of suffering. As the Buddha taught that the results of practicing the Dhamma is that of giving rise to peace and to wisdom, to seeing the noble truths of dukkha or suffering, uh, the cause of dukkha at cessation and the path of practice leading to that cessation. But if our views are incorrect, then we'll always be having ignorance, craving, and clinging arise. 
If our views are correct, however, then we'll be walking the marga, this path, walking towards Niroda, towards seeing the nature of the Dhamma. So we can gain this realization, this knowledge, that all lives must end in death. And it can be quite an incredible feeling that comes up uh, through seeing the Dhamma like this. So we all have this opportunity now to train our minds. Like we're listening to the Dhamma, meditating now, and contemplating the Dhamma. There's immense benefit that comes from that. And we're all very fortunate to be able to practice following the teachings of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha. Because these are the teachings that will take our minds out of all suffering. So having this conviction and belief, may you set your hearts on this, be sincere in your efforts, really persist in this practice. And then one day you will see the Dharma clearly within your own heart. So may all of you grow in blessings. <laughs>